Douglas Scott Wolverton, the producer of this show and longtime WXVW employee, died unexpectedly on Thursday. He was 61. There are no words that can express the profound sorrow felt today by so many of us who knew and loved this very special human being. For roughly 30 years, listeners throughout the area shared a small portion of Douglas's life through his various roles on and around our daily programming and coverage of Southern Indiana sports. But to know Douglas Scott Wolverton, the human being, was pure joy. Douglas loved the radio business. It's really all he ever wanted to do. And he loved the tedious work that goes into keeping a broadcast on the air and sounding good. He was a consummate radio producer with a distinct voice and style that we will never forget. Douglas was more than just a producer here at WXVW. In so many ways, he was WXVW. On air, off air, around the office, there was no task too big, no task too small for Douglas. He truly cherished the heritage of this radio signal, and he understood better than anyone else this station's connection to local sports and the community it has for decades served. Our radio station and our lives will never, ever be the same again. Our prayers go out to the Wolverton family and to all of those connected to Douglas. With heavy hearts and the deepest of sympathies for his family and friends, later this week, we'll say goodbye to a radio legend. If the legacy of a man's life is measured by the lives he's touched and how much he has loved, then a big piece of Douglas Scott Wolverton will live on in all of us. And welcome back here on this Monday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us, and thank you so much for bearing with me as I began the show this morning with a tribute to the late producer and longtime WXVW employee, Douglas Scott Wolverton, who we lost on Thursday. Been really tough around here the last few days. This is my first time uh, on the radio, uh, really without him, with, with all the state championship games and the big things we've tried to broadcast over the years. But uh, glad you're with us for this Monday program. You'll hear a lot more about Douglas as the week goes on. We'll give you the details for his funeral uh, that is slated for later in the week as well. And appreciate your thoughts and prayers for Douglas. Douglas Wolverton and his family. Big weekend for local sports. High school baseball was on tap, and we had some local teams obviously in action. One of those teams victorious and headed to the semi-state round, and those are the Dragons of Silver Creek. And Coach Joe Decker is with us right now here on this Monday program. Coach, congratulations first off. A big 11-3 victory over Connorsville in the semifinal game.
game, and then back in the evening to defeat a solid Evansville Memorial Club 7-1, and your Dragons are making a move deeper into the state tournament. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, they've just uh, really come together well, and uh, both those games this weekend, it was it was good that we scored early. I think we both games we scored in the first inning, which – uh, kind of got kind of got us going and let us relax a little bit. Coach, uh, let's start with the uh, win over Connorsville uh, to start things off that day. Uh, you mentioned you scored some early runs in 11-3 victory in postseason baseball is a really big one. Uh, you had some some space there. Who pit played well? And tell us a little bit about some of the stars from that morning game. Well, we st- I mean we got four runs in the first, um, and it started like right from the beginning. Dane Deweese got a hit. Um, to lead us off, and then I think Colin Capus had a double, and then Dominic had a double, and uh, I think Jace had a single right off the bat. So I think we had four hits to start the game, um, but uh, up and down our lineup, uh, um, you know, the last couple weeks, the whole lineup's been hitting well, um, and uh, you know, I think we it, it let we started Preston Burton on the mound, who's a freshman, um, and getting four in the top of the first kind of let him relax some too. I think. Um, and uh, uh, it, it made it easier on the hitters, too, to just uh, relax and, 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 and do their thing. Coach Decker of Silver Creek is my guest. Coach, I, I say this uh, every year, every sport, really. Uh, the regional round, two games, one day, it's the toughest for players. It's the toughest, for sure, for coaches to prepare for two different opponents, a lot of unknown, always normally some travel in that day. Uh, to come back that night and turn in another strong performance, pretty impressive for your Dragons. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. It's the toughest It's the toughest thing to do. The hardest part, actually, I think, is the break. Um, we played the second game um, and got done about 4 o'clock, 4.15, um, and championship games at 7.30, so you want to be there by about 6.15. So basically we had an hour and a half of downtime uh, in between, so uh, trying to figure out what to do during that hour and a half where you, you get them in some air conditioning and, and cool them off, and, uh, but uh, you know, still keep them prepared to play. Um, you know, that was the toughest part. Um, luckily it wasn't uh, 95 like it was last year over there, but uh, um, still I think that's the toughest thing is having a little bit of downtime and then coming back and getting them ready to play again. Coach, uh, that night game, a 7-1 victory, as we mentioned, over Evansville Memorial, a really solid ball club. Take us through that game as well. Who played well? Some of the big moments for the Dragons. Uh, well, we got two in the first, which was big. Again, uh, Dane led off the game with a hit. Um, uh, and then we got him over to, I think we had, Colin got on, we had second and third, I think, um, or first and second. Dominic got a hit, uh, and then Bailey got a hit. Uh, Bailey Hale had a hit, too, so... We got two in the first, which was big. And then after that, it just kind of – both teams kind of settled in. And then in the fifth, um, we uh, the bottom of the fifth, we've got uh, runners on sec- or first and second with Colin Capus up, and he laid down a great bunt to load the bases uh, with nobody out. And then Dominic got a double uh, to score two, which was big. And then Jace Burton walked. And then Bailey Hale had a, a three, three RBI triple. Uh, that pretty much that you know that that kind of sealed the deal there um, with that in the bottom of the fifth. So uh, we had we had some clutch performance from our seniors, which which is good. And it's kind of I told the guys uh, 
Saturday night, it was kind of seniors being seniors. Coach Joe Jecker of Silver Creek Baseball, our be- our guest here on this Monday program. Coach, one of the things I've got to bring up from Saturday, in addition to playing some good competition and your team playing well, uh, League Stadium in Huntingburg, if uh, someone listening has never seen that, doesn't know the history, uh, what an opportunity once again for the Dragons to play in that kind of facility. And as you've had some really good teams here in the area uh, that have made some deep runs, including a state championship, you've had the opportunity to play in some really nice venues across our state. But there's nothing like League Stadium. It's got a feel of history uh, and just a really unique place to play two games on a Saturday in the postseason. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. We were lucky enough to be there last year um, in that Southridge game. So all of our guys um, had seen there and played on it. Um, but the Connorsville coach, when he got there, he was, he was kind of like, oh, this place is awesome. We know we've never seen it. And, uh, you kind of, kind of got to be awestruck by it a little bit. Um, but, uh, they do a great job over there hosting the regional. Um, it's first class all the way. The field was in great shape and you're right. Just the, uh, the history of the field and, uh, it's a different venue. It's, it's such a big field. It, uh, it, it kind of changes the dynamics of, of the home run. Um, I think we would have had probably five home runs on the day at any other park other than that one. But at that place, it's so deep to the middle, um, that, uh, the, all of them stayed in the park, but, um, no, it's, it's a great place to play and they do a great, great job of hosting. Coach Decker and the Dragons will take on Indianapolis Brebuff in a one-game semi-state coming up on Saturday. We'll have more on that here in just a moment. But, Coach, uh, for the Dragons, for your program, uh, that is now five consecutive sectional championships, and you have won regional titles in three of the last four seasons. What does that say about this year's senior class? You've got a lot of them. And even more than that, what does it say about the the strength of Silver Creek baseball right now and really for the last number of years? Well, one thing I told our our younger guys after we won the sectional, um, I I told them, I'm like, don't think this is easy. I I don't want these younger guys thinking they just, hey, we show up, we win a sectional. We show up, we win a sectional. Uh, These these seniors and the group of seniors we've had the last year and before they've bought into everything we do and they've worked their, their tails off to get where they are. Um, and it, it doesn't happen by accident. It's kind of what we tell them. And, uh, there's, there's no magic ingredient. Uh, we just come out every day and we work hard. Um, we pay attention to detail and, uh, you know, I, I, I say to everybody that'll listen, I think I've got the best, uh, assistant coaches in the state and they do a great job uh you, you know with their specific roles and uh our, our players buy in so uh all those things put together we've been uh, you know really fortunate to have a really good run and we've had some really good players too so that that definitely never hurts all right uh coach uh, you'll move on to a one game semi-state it'll be played at jasper so you get the opportunity to stay right in that area and play at another first class high school baseball facility you'll take on brebuff from indianapolis a uh, catholic school a private school in indy who is known for a great athletic tradition including baseball what's the thumbnail sketch the early report on the team you're going to take on saturday as you try to win it and get back to a 3a state championship game well, we'll have our hands full. They've got uh, a pitcher. Their, their, their number one pitcher is a, a first-round draft pick uh, who's 96-97 um, that uh, is, 
is he's the real deal. He's really good, and uh, so we'll have our hands full there. And then uh, their number two pitcher, for some reason, if if we get past their number one, is a Division One lefty who throws about ninety. So <laughs> we've definitely got our hands full uh, in that one. But uh, I don't think our guys are going to be intimidated or uh, or or afraid of the moment. We were fortunate enough to face. Uh, Tucker Biven a couple weeks ago and, and Tucker beat us two to nothing. Um, but getting to see Tucker's velocity, um, matches or is at least close to the Duconich kids, uh, velo, you know, I think that helped prepare our guys. It won't be the first time they've seen velocity like that. Coach, I think you bring up a great point. How does playing in this area against New Albany, Jeff, Providence, Floyd Central, and there are others that have very strong baseball programs? year in and year out. And, of course, your Dragons have been right there at the top of that group. How does this regular season schedule, because of the area we're in, help you when you get to these semi-state opportunities like you will on Saturday? I know you covered it with Bibbon, but you really have had a lot of challenges during the regular season. Well, we, you know, we intentionally try to make our schedule as hard as possible um, for the postseason. Um, you know, I've said all along, we try to, we try to gear up to the postseason. The regular season is just practice games. Um, we went down to Tennessee at the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, we faced a kid from, uh, a Hartledge, Alabama that's committed to Auburn throwing 90. We got to see Max McEwen early in the year at Jeff. Um, you know, seeing Tucker, um, you know, we've seen some really good arms. Um, and again, it, it, it's all in preparation for, what we're going to do at the end of the season. So, um, you know, when you, the first time you see a guy throwing that hard, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a, a learning curve uh, that you have to get to. But, you know, like I said, hopefully our guys will be ready and, and ready to compete, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll take the opportunity for what it is. All right, it's scheduled for a 4 p.m. first pitch on Saturday down in Jasper. We'll have the call. We're working it out, whether it'll be on the Big X or perhaps one of our sister stations with Louisville Bats coverage as well. But, Coach, congratulations. A great run in the postseason. You're now the representative alone of our area. We wish you the very best, and we'll see you down in Jasper on Saturday afternoon. I appreciate it, Matt. Thanks a bunch. All right, Coach Joe Decker, what a run Silver Creek baseball is on and really a great showing overall once again this season by our local baseball teams new albany in 4a pulled a major upset on jasper's field saturday morning in that opening game tucker biven pitched an absolute gem of a ball game and andrew clements with two home runs for the bulldogs it put him in the championship game and columbus east knocked off number two ranked mooresville in the second game later that afternoon so it was new albany against the columbus east team that had 13 wins heading into regional weekend and Columbus East, an absolute heartbreaker of a finish, uh, beat New Albany 3-2, a strikeout, wild pitch, curveball in the dirt that got away with a runner on third, a drop third strike, I guess is what you want to call it. The runner comes in from third to score and New Albany loses in the night game, but so close to a semi-state were the Bulldogs. And then Providence with another great run, uh, they battled with Forest Park in the semifinal game down at Balsey Field on Saturday afternoon. Forest Park, a very quality program that could maybe make a run to the state championship 
as well. And the Pioneers uh, nip and tuck with Forest Park until the very end. In fact, extra innings when Forest Park able to just barely get past Providence. Borden had a great year as well. They were number one in 1A baseball for so much of the season. They were knocked off in the regional on Saturday as well. So down to one team, and that is Silver Creek. They will play in a one-game semi-state on Saturday against Brebuff of Indianapolis. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. We'll talk IU basketball. There's a lot to get caught up on. Mike Woodson and his staff, they had a lot of players on campus over the weekend. Uh, It was the IU team camp, an opportunity for uh, some recruits and high school teams and coaches to play at Assembly Hall and Cook Hall and some of the other on-campus facilities. We'll talk about that, next year's roster, and more. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday edition of the program. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, my guest, as we talk the very latest in IU basketball and more. And, Zach, there's a a number of topics to get to today, but I first want to start with a somewhat unique opportunity. Archie Miller did this, and years back it had happened as well. But Mike Woodson, in his second offseason, returns the IU team camp. They're actually having two sessions this month, and they can bring in high school teams. And, of course, some of those high school teams have prospects that uh, are Indiana prospects, definitely targets on the board. And there were a number of players and some really good teams from Indiana and beyond that were on the Bloomington campus this weekend to play at Assembly Hall, Cook Hall, and some of the other facilities. Yeah, this is one of those things that I think sometimes goes a little bit under the radar. Some coaches are okay with the media being in, some aren't. You know, we we swung through Archie's camps a couple times. Tom, when he would hold them, typically it was behind closed doors. It seems like that's sort of Woodson's preference. Obviously, nothing's really behind closed doors anymore. You see highlights coming out and, you know, things like that. There's There's – there's always some way to kind of access little bits and pieces of it, but it's, it's valuable. Obviously when you get recruits on campus, I think that, that for example, when Indiana landed Jerome Hunter, you know, his performance at the team camp and also maybe just his experience at the team camp um, were both really important in Indiana's pursuit of him just to use a recent example. But I, I also think that, that there's another piece to this, which this is a way to really strengthen your relationships within the state and, you know, we talk so much about a school like Indiana wanting to recruit well in state, wanting to, to, to keep its, its sort of roots deep and, and healthy in the state of Indiana. You know, some of that can be done by getting out and around to coaches' clinics and, you know, things that the, the, uh, the IBCA puts on or IHSAA or, or whatever. Um, but some of it is, is also when, and this is true of football too, this is true really of, of any sport that runs these team camps. Some of it's also when you're able to bring those people, those coaches, those players, those families, whatever, to, to your facility and, and to be able to spend a little bit of time with them there. And, you know, it's kind of just, again, it's, it's the investment of, uh, you know, time that maybe isn't directly related to going and getting one player, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, but it's much more just about keeping the 
keeping the relationship strong. So maybe down the road, a coach has a player, or maybe you need a coach's opinion on a different player or whatever it is. There's a lot of value in that too. And then, you know, frankly, there's, there's also just, we can talk about this as being so self-serving for, uh, for Indiana basketball. I mean, it's also just an opportunity to get teams on campus, let guys play basketball, let them see facilities, let them have that experience. And, and obviously the, the program tends to make a little money as well. All right, Zach, uh, speaking of teams there, Gabe Cups and his Centerville, Ohio team in attendance. They've got some other prospects as well, but Gabe was the only committed player uh, at this session of the team camp in Bloomington. But, you know, kudos to, I'm assuming, Brian Walsh. He typically is the guy in his previous role, at least, that put this team camp together uh, for getting Fishers there. That's Jalen Harrelson, who is coming on unbelievably strong in the 2025 class. Also there, another young player to watch in our state that we've talked about often on this program, Trent Sicily of Heritage Hills here in southern Indiana, his team there. And that's really just the beginning of the list of prospects that got a chance to actually play some hoops. So, again, uh, it wasn't just teams there and prospects there. There were some really big names that are kind of emerging from known in Indiana as young prospects to entering the national level. And that's where I see Sicily and Harrelson right now. No, I think that's, I think that's a good point. And, again, it's, you, you get coaches with different sort of opinions on when you offer and how serious you get you know, early in a career. But one way or another, you know, I mean, we, we've all been around this long enough to know that when you've got players of, of that caliber coming up in this state in particular, everybody's going to know who they are and everybody's going to be aware that, you know, that, uh, that they're kind of on the radar. And um, again, different coaches approach it differently. Tom Crean was always uh, uh, into offering very early. You can even think back to him taking commitments from kids, you know, pretty early kids committing when they were sophomores, for example. Um, but it's, it's down to kind of the individual coach, the individual staff, how they want to manage the actual relationships, but just, being able to bring those guys in. And, and again, you'd imagine probably somebody family-wise is with them too. And so then all of a sudden it's, okay, it's not a visit, but guess what? They get a, a real sort of behind-the-scenes taste of a lot of your program. I think there's a lot of value in that as well. Zach, one other thing in the offseason we're tracking is the schedule for next year. And so far, IU fans have really been treated to some great uh, known opportunities and, and a couple rumored things. The Vegas game against Arizona is not, I don't believe, officially confirmed yet, but some really good things on the schedule. I call them sexy non-conference games. Last year, there weren't many sexy non-conference games. This year, there are going to be, but we, we learned even more about the schedule over the weekend. There's going to be an what's called a multi-team event, a MTE, which is a way to get some additional games. Indiana, Miami of Ohio, Arkansas, Little Rock, and Jackson State will make up that field, according to Jeff Goodman, who was first to report that. Uh, so nothing major there, but we're slowly and surely piecing things together for the non-conference uh, basketball schedule next season, which is, unfortunately for IU fans, all the excitement still so far away. <laughs> no, and, and these are the games that, you know, you, you put these together and it kind of allows everybody to get games, essentially. Like, you'll, you'll probably see these, these other teams play each other as well. From Indiana's perspective, it's a way to kind of bite off a chunk of their home schedule. I mean, you, you, look, at, you look at these, these teams, we're talking about teams that are sub-250 in Ken Palm. And, and the sorts of games that, you know, obviously 
you, you can get away with them a little bit more in your non-conference schedule if you're also playing Arizona and North Carolina and Kansas. Um, but these are, you know, these are the just kind of the the filler that make sure you get all your your non-conference home games you need to meet your budgets because obviously you need a certain number of games in terms of ticket sales and and you know opportunities with for in terms of relationships with your advertising partners and your sponsors and things like that. Um, you know, none of these are going to be games that do anything really for you from a um, from like a, a strength of schedule point of view. They're just the ones that that make up the dates, but. It is just like a, like you said, it, it always kind of comes in a little bit of a trickle. A lot of the time, the way that we find out about it is the other team publishes its schedule. You know, like Indiana, I don't know, schedules the Citadel or somebody, and the Citadel just slaps their non-conference schedule on the Internet, and there's a trip to Indiana on November 25th or whatever. Um, so it's, it's, it's just kind of a, a functional way to um, – you know, to, to eat up some of the schedule and, you know, hey, maybe we'll call it the Indiana Classic or the Hoosier Classic or whatever. I, I don't think it's going to come with any of that, that ceremony or fanfare. To your point, the, the bigger, I think everybody understands the bigger fish are, are the, you know, the easily identifiable ones. But it just, it helps make up the numbers and, and get Indiana to 11 non-conference games every year. I'm curious, Zach. I saw Andy Katz had a Power 36 poll he put out earlier today. And he has the Hoosiers as high as I've seen him at any any other what I call way too early ranking uh, for this offseason. He's got IU at number seven. Uh, your thoughts on the Hoosiers in the top ten with Trace back and all the other knowns now about this roster for next season. Is uh, is that something you can see, IU a top ten team uh, across some of these polls as we get closer to the, the really the start of college basketball? That does feel a little lofty to me. I won't lie. I mean – you, you look around, like, Kentucky should still be really good. Gonzaga should still be really good. North Carolina should still be really good. I don't think UCLA ultimately took an enormous hit. I think they lost a, a couple pieces but still have some others coming back. You know, if, if I'm – and I think about this as someone who used to, you know, build out a top 25 ballot every preseason and then throughout the season. If I'm looking at Indiana, I've probably got them somewhere in the 12 to 16 range. Um, I think that, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm trying to figure out kind of where they fit, then I'm, my feel on them is high enough to, to, to signify that I trust, you know, what they are, what they're capable of. Um, you know, the fact that the floor is, is pretty high in terms of what you feel like you can count on, you know, Trace Jackson Davis, Xavier Johnson, Race Thompson, you know, you have to imagine at least a couple of your, Trey Galloway, Tamar Bates, Jordan Geronimo types will take a, a demonstrable step forward. You've obviously got some really, uh, some really good recruits coming in. Um, on the other hand, there are enough questions there that I'm, you know, enough sort of obvious concerns that I'm not sure I'd put them in my top ten. I'm not sure there is a Big Ten team I would put in my top ten, to be fair. And I'm, I'm looking at um, Bart Torvik's sort of projections for next season. And Bart, you know, obviously all this is is – it's June 6th, but Bart toggles with this a lot. I know he tries hard to kind of make it as, as you know, predictively accurate as he can. He's got Indiana as the number one ranked Big Ten team as, in his 2023 projections right now, but he's also got them at 12, one spot ahead of Illinois, so more kind of in that, you know, t again, 10 to 16, 12 to 16 range. 
probably where I see Indiana fitting. I do think, and, and Dustin wrote something today uh, for today on this, it is hard to look past Indiana as a Big Ten favorite just in terms of, you know, what, you know, the, the, the phrase I've, I find myself using a lot this time of year is what you think, what you hope, and what you know about individual teams. It's hard to look past Indiana as the one that probably gives you the most know and, and maybe even the most you think you know. Um, about them going into next season, but there are still enough questions. Can they shoot the three? Can they be a little bit more defensively adaptable and versatile? Um, you know, just can the offense, quite frankly, whether it is three-point shooting, whether it's, you know, one of these freshmen, whether it's Trace Jackson Davis stretching out his game, can the offense become more dynamic because it could get so, so stodgy at times last season? There are enough questions that I still don't think I'd stick Indiana in that top ten range I think I'd probably still have them somewhere 10 to 15. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star he joins us Mondays as we talk the latest with IU basketball and more getting away from the team and into NIL uh, interesting to see we got a release from the school on Friday that uh, the IU uh, athletics department has signed an agreement with a company called Campus Inc. that's going to provide name image and likeness merchandising opportunities for all Hoosier student-athletes, not just the basketball team and not just the star athletes on each of those teams. It sounds like it's going to be an online platform where when you buy your merchandise, it can be customized or will have a specific player's number or name, and they're going to get credit or a financial gain from those sales. This is an interesting next step as we try to figure out NIL and where it's going in the world of college sports that Indiana now getting in this merchandising space. And I think you're going to see teams, or not teams, excuse me, I think you're going to see departments feel like they have to get more active. You know, I think the, you know, one of the ways that I suspect, and, and this isn't maybe specific just to, to this, this one sort of product, for lack of a better term, but the broader sort of theory around NIL, one of the, the ways I think things are probably going to evolve here in the next 12 to 24 months is I think you're going to see departments become a lot more hands-on with it. You know, initially there was sort of this, like a lot of the NILs and it's still interim guidance. It's still interim policy, interim recommendations. Like a lot of this stuff still isn't permanent from the NCAA and probably never will be frankly. Um, but the there was a real feeling basically if, if you weren't in a state that sort of codified how nil was supposed to work you know in in terms of having a state law on the books then you were following this ncaa guidance and the feeling really was like like it was it was sort of almost outright said in some places and it was certainly intimated in others or inferred in others that the the department did not want to, should not be involved. Teams should not be involved. Obviously, people can't be using, and I think we all understand that in practice this is happening, but people can't be using NIL to, you know, to induce recruits and things like that. I think one of the directions you're going to see it move is basically departments are going to become more hands-on because I think what, what everyone's realized is that when you take your hands off the wheel, the car just veers completely. It, it doesn't stay in the lane. It, it just, it is being veered completely kind of out of control. Um, already Tennessee has amended or either, either amended or repealed and replaced its original NIL law to, to explicitly allow departments, you know, programs to uh, line up NIL deals for current players, which was, you know, very much a no, no 
from the NCAA's perspective this time a year ago in, in building out kind of its its recommendations around how to move into this. I think you're going to see the the just the whole thing move more and more that way in terms of not just departments maybe providing some resources like this, but departments really being hands-on. And I think the feeling is essentially – they need to that we need to bring the adults back into the room a little bit and and that if it's going to be kind of this out of control then there needs to be somebody there that is that is um that is accountable for it and and it can't just be an athlete or you know his parents because that's one specific case that is not the larger issue so i think that's probably the direction we're moving and i would not be surprised if you see more stuff like this because i would not be surprised if you see departments really become a lot more hands-on, not necessarily meeting out money, to be clear, but a, a lot less sort of like, oh, that don't, I, you know, don't tell me what's going on. I don't want to know to being like, no, no, we need to bring that under our umbrella so we can control it a little bit better. All right. Uh, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Stars. Zach, quickly before we let you go, speaking of NIL deals, I see two freshmen, Hood Shafino and Renault, they uh, have already landed some NIL opportunities since being on campus, and that's been just a few short days. Yeah, and, you know, this is the sort of thing that, that probably uh, should not be should not be surprising to anyone. And, again, it's, it's one of those things where we can all say that, um, you know, we, we can all say that this isn't being used to induce recruits and stuff, but in, in practice there is very little control of it. And, I'm not again, I want to be really clear. I'm not alleging anything. I think more what it is is that these relationships are going to – bring up very organically now you know it's 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 not going to be hard for a five-star recruit to get to campus and immediately find some of those opportunities because guess what from the moment Jalen Hood Shafino is enrolled and on campus and working out and he's in the team you know workout videos and all those different kinds of things he is one of the most recognizable faces in Bloomington Second. and so I just don't see how I think these things are, again, just be, this stuff's going to happen organically all the time now. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Zach, as always, thanks for being with us to help kickstart the week, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. All right, uh, Zach Osterman with us here on this Monday program. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with our final segment of the day. When we return, Chad Gilbert, former basketball coach in the area, Charlestown Athletic Director, also on the IHSA Executive Board. He's with us to talk local sports. And June is here, the high school baseball season, rolling along uh, well into the postseason now. And basketball is back for the summer as well. We'll talk that and more with Chad next. This is the with Matt Dennison. We're back on this Monday program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. That number 502 414 1450 again 502 1450 Chad Gilbert my guest in this final segment on Mondays we talk local sports and Chad a lot to get to today but I know you've got some thoughts as well on our friend Douglas Scott Wilberton who passed away unexpectedly on Thursday tough start to the show today Chad to try and give uh, my friend a tribute he 
has been with the station, I mean, longer than than any of us, uh, going back years and years, some 30 years, and uh, has always been that guy in the background that makes sure everything is rolling and our broadcaster hopefully going along smooth and doing all he can to ensure that. And it's just different, uh, Chad, to talk with you on Monday and Douglas Scott Wolverton not on the other side of that glass and not reaching out to you for your little chat on Mondays. Well, Matt, you know, um, when you told me that today, it's one of those deals you, you get you get goosebumps, your your stomach hurts, you get a hole in your stomach. It's just another, what well, we talked about, another Southern Indiana sports legend has left us. And, you know, you, you think about Douglas and just a true professional, someone that, Everyone knows if you heard his voice, you know if you if you see him at a restaurant or something, you know his voice. You, you may not know his face, but you know his voice. I mean, he's um, he's someone that uh, makes the show run smooth. A, a professional. He's one of those guys that you know when we did our sectional preview, that he constantly you know pumping us up on what a good job it was and what how good a job we did in there, how much fun it was. Just always a great attitude, always a great demeanor, and you know. Like you said, it's not just your friend, Matt. It's everybody in Southern Indiana's friend that that, that Douglas was, and it's, it's, it's sad that he passed. Yeah, absolutely. Chad Gilbert with me. Chad, a lot of local stuff to get to quickly here as we wrap up Monday's show. Uh, baseball regionals, we had Coach Decker on earlier in the hour. The Dragons are advancing, but all of our local teams had really good showings on Saturday. New Albany was so close to getting to a semi-state in Providence with a big battle against Forest Park in that morning, that semifinal game on Saturday afternoon. Another good baseball year, and the Dragons are the chance we have left for a local state champion. Well, Matt, um, you think about this, and I know we've touched on this before, but Southern Indiana is just a hotbed for baseball right now. It's something that, uh, and there, you, you look at, or sorry, you look at Silver Creek. And has there many anybody that's had more success in the past ten years than the Dragons? I mean, they they put remarkable numbers. I saw they won like fifty eight conference games in a row, like ten conference championships in a row. I don't know how many sectionals, but what Coach Decker has done with that program is you know want to stay close to remarkable and let's let's take this in in into play he put a lot of hours a lot of time in this stuff i can remember you know when i was first coaching girls you know i'd seen him working we'd work out the why and just talk different things you know, he was coaching baseball then and he put in a lot of hours feeder program with the iron men um, a lot of things to get that program where it is so hats off to him and and the effort that he's done over there and um, to the dragons as they advance to the semi-state i know they'll have a Big hill, a mountain to climb. I think they're, you know, the the pitcher they're running against Brabuff, is he a Vandy commit, Matt? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that they'll have a, you know, a monumental task, but they've answered the bell all year, and I don't see, I wouldn't bet against them this weekend, Matt. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how that big matchup goes Saturday afternoon down at Jasper. Chad, basketball's back. we got to squeeze in just a moment of basketball. Uh, outdoor night, Friday at Kevin Hammersmith Park. I was really curious to see how it went. We had great Indiana versus Kentucky, Metro Louisville against Southern Indiana matchups, and the weather was perfect. A little hot, a little steamy uh, for those opening games at 4 and 5 o'clock. It got a lot better in the 6 o'clock hour. By 7 o'clock, it was a very comfortable situation, and the crowd was amazing. It just was a really, really neat environment, something different, kind of getting back to the day when you were coming up through Southern Indiana as a great basketball player where so much of went on in the offseason was outdoors. 
Matt, you couldn't have asked for a better day than what you got. I mean, you had, like you said, a little bit hot, but you couldn't ask for a better day. And I want to just take this time to congratulate you on pulling that off. And that's something, Matt, that a lot of people maybe take for granted out of you is you think outside the box. You try to think things that, one, are different for kids, and two, bring nostalgia back to it. You know, bring basketball guys like me, like P.K. Falkenstein, different guys out there, you know, things that we did, try to pass it on to these kids. And by doing that, that's something that I hope catches on, not just to be a niche, but, you know, or not just to be a one, you know, one time thing, but maybe just a niche where people continue to do it, continue to play outdoors because that your outdoor game is so much different than playing indoors. You, you know, you work on going to the basket. Your, your outside shot's not always going to fall outdoors. You know, the wind comes into play, the sun may come into play, but you play different out there. And I think that's just something that'll expand kids' games. They'll expand kids' friendships. And it'll expand, you know, kids being able to spend hours upon hours working to become the best basketball player they can be. And I think that'll make the quality of the game better. Chad, I think the overall good news to report from Friday and then last fall, we did a three-on-three tournament in conjunction with with Harvest Homecoming, that festival in New Albany. Uh, There's a lot of interest in outdoor basketball, more than what I can remember. And I think that's safe to say with three-on-three basketball in the Olympics and some of the nice outdoor courts, not just in New Albany, Georgetown has built some. Jeffersonville has some really nice courts. I know of some other local communities that are looking to do some outdoor basketball projects as well. I think there's a future in getting outdoor basketball rolling again, and we're going to try some other stuff too. Well, Matt, you know, most stuff that you t- that you touch is first class. You get things going the right way, and that gets kids that opportunity to go out there and say, hey, let's do this. Now, when they play five-on-five five and there's guys on the side who have next, it's not going to be the same as a Matt Dennison production. But it is an opportunity to get that thing going again, and I think the more that you do it, the more people will get involved, and the more people will enjoy it. Because, you know, being outdoors and watching kids just, just play basketball, I mean, how, how special is that? And you you, let, you made a lot of people happy Friday, Matt, by getting that thing going, so thank you. Yeah, fun night, no question about it. Summer League basketball continues this month. In fact, a huge week of games this week. Games are over at Butler High School today, and I'll have more on the schedule uh, a little bit later. But, uh, Chad, this is the time. You you know this uh, very well. I'm thinking specifically of Sharon Wilkerson taking over the Jeffersonville program. But the month of June, you know, there's not a lot of fanfare. Probably the most fanfare you'll see in the month of June is was on a situation like Friday night when it's outdoors and it attracts more than just parents and the normal people. Uh, but this summer is really an opportunity to for a first-year coach especially to dive in headfirst and figure out exactly the situation that they are working with for next season. So guys like Sharon Wilkerson, there are others uh, new in the area as well. Uh, I think summertime for them is especially important uh, and important for everybody, but for a newcomer, really, really a big month. Well, what you do in the summer, and we've talked about this before, Matt, is you give put kids in a position that they're not accustomed to, and you see how they're going to adapt to those situations. You put kids in high-level situations where it gives them confidence, where you can draw on that during the season, where you can say, hey, you remember that Ballard game we played at New Albany? This is the same thing we're going to expect tonight. So you can let kids draw on their experiences. But what you can also do is you can also show kids, and more importantly, you show parents, 
why their kids aren't playing. You know, you, you say, hey, you remember this opportunity. They've had every opportunity to show me that they should be out on the court. We played this game, this game, this game, this game. And they just they just didn't have it done, or they just couldn't get done what Johnny got done. That's the reason Johnny's playing in front of Bobby. And that gives you a little bit of ammunition on that one. No one cares about how many games you win in the summer. It's just an opportunity, one, to put yourself in place, try some new things, put kids get kids out of their comfort zone, put some kids in a position to succeed to get some confidence. And two, it gives you a chance, you know, where you can you can try some different things out. And finally, you can reward the kids because, you know, where you're going to get better is in the gym. Where you're going to get better is working on your drills, working on your shot. If you can't pass, you can't shoot, you can't dribble, it doesn't matter what kind of set you run. So that gives you a lot of opportunity to work on that, and it and it gives the kids something uh, fun to do. You know, I can remember when we coached down there, all right, who would want to go to New Albany night? Seven guys raised their hand. I'd be one, two, three, five, six, seven, bring $5. We play all seven. I'm going, and I was thirty-five dollars a game back then, and that was it. I didn't care who won, I didn't care who lost, I didn't care who played the most, who played the less. I wanted them all to play. Now, when we're playing, we're competing, we're trying to win, but we, you know, we didn't have our scouts in, we didn't have anything in the game plan. We were just giving kids an opportunity to go out and compete, and I think that's a, a big thing. Is every time you step on the court, you got to compete. All right, Chad. One other thing I want to spend some time on before we close. Uh, track and field state finals, another sport that we may not talk about as or cover as much as we do the high school baseball scene here in the spring. But things are rolling along there, and there's some local interest as well. Well, Matt, it was a, it was a great state finals. Miss Amy and I went to Bloomington for the weekend. We got an opportunity to, one, catch some team camp at uh, Assembly Hall, the Cook Center. Or, there was a big, big, big turnout there, some really big teams, high-level teams there. But we were also able – to watch the boys and girls state finals in track track and field. Um, Charlestown represented really well. We had uh, Lyric Steele was able to place and then uh, in two different events. Jada Holbrook was able to place in the girls' side as well. And then we had uh, Jay Carter's back who was able to place in his event. So all those kids bringing back medals to Charlestown High School, we sure are proud of them. All right, Chad Gilbert with us Mondays here on the program. Chad, as always, thank you. Appreciate the local sports promotion with you. Uh, here when you join the Wednesday, the Monday show. Let me get that straight here, and uh, we'll talk with you again next week. Matt, it's always good talking to you. Uh, again, we're we're gonna miss Douglas a lot, and uh, he, he just he was just a, a great a great person for Southern Indiana sports. Man, it's just something that's uh, had me choked up all day, and uh, appreciate the tribute you put out to it. And thanks for everything you do, to Southern Indiana sports. All right, Chad Gilbert with us here on this Monday program. That's going to wrap things up. Again, thanks for bearing with us today. Um, it's been a tough few days. There's no question about that. But our thoughts and prayers to the family and friends of Douglas Scott Wolverton. You will hear more. In fact, John Spears, I know, is going to lead off his program with some comments on uh, our friend Douglas Wolverton, who, again, passed away on Thursday. But you'll hear more as we move on through the week, as we try to regroup here at the Big X for a guy that has meant so much to us and uh, this station years before I was around, years for, before anybody here now was around. 
uh, he's been keeping this thing rolling now for a long, long time. So thanks for bearing with us as we get things uh, hopefully back on track this week. Again, we'll be back with you uh, tomorrow at 11 a.m., complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. If you missed the live show, you can always find us as a podcast. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison wherever you listen to podcasts. We will have semi-state baseball on Saturday. I'll announce those broadcast details for you a little bit later in the week. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>